The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls and turtles and whatevers of all ages. Welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the only one who scares the shit out of kids at every grocery store. Hey, cute baby. That's Tammy, very nice. the goblin, Underwood. Say booga, 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 booga. You're horrible. <laughs> I don't like you at all. At least I didn't say hobgoblin. You're just a regular goblin. You're not like a midget granny or anything. Thank you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, so. my God. So I keep on telling Jen Dahl <clears throat> that I really want to put my face between her butt cheeks. No, I, that's not what I'm telling her. Um, no comment to that? No, no I'm ignoring you. You take all the fun out of it. I always tell her that Florida's not a real place. She's actually on a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> she is. And I go, well, the problem is you're not even on this planet, so I can't help you with that problem. I mean, fuck. Right? I don't know what the culture is on your planet of Florida. I'm telling you, that's horrible. Poor Jen. <laughs> I'm fucked up. I'm just not right in the head. I know. You're not at all. All right, so now we got part three of Cheesy Mazda. Horrible Church of Alm, whatever the fuck it is. You doing something over there? Yeah, I was. I was. Sorry. I got sidetracked. Christ. I told you we were firing off a damn episode. I know. You know what? And I did say you're horrible, but then I got sidetracked doing something else, and I apologize because, you know. And they call it ADD. And they do call this ADD. We already know I have it. Okay, anyways, so we just left off with, you know, his scientists trying to come up with ways for mass destruction, right? So now say masturbation, but okay. (laughs) No, I was not going to say that is. So while the scientists worked to perfect their chemical weapons, um, Asahara embarked on the biggest evolution of Alm since its conception. He arrived in Moscow in March of 1992 and met great fanfare. He and his followers quickly established a following in the heart of the Soviet empire. Hundreds of people flocked to hear Asahara's teachings and ravings. Um, Regarding the end of the world, after several months of recruiting, supported by an extensive media campaign, Om took Russia by storm. Russian citizens from all social levels, including government officials, joined the cult. Asahar managed to form an alliance with many top officials, none more important than Oleg Ivanovich Lobov. That's a hell of a fucking name. I know. Chairman of the Russian Security Council. Because you know he wasn't content. <laughs> <laughs> we have no word for content. We have no word for content. Um, all made generous donations of computers, medical supplies, and $14 million in cash. The Russian leaders were impressed and opened their doors to the cult. And lots of vodka. The largest, exactly. The largest of their venues were made available for Alm Rally. Alms rallies, a regular weekly television program extolling the virtue of Alm, of Alm followed. By the time Asahara and his entourage returned to Japan, 
Thousands of Russians had joined the sect, swelling their coffers to record levels. Now, apart from the success of recruiting, Asahara's pilgrimage to Russia, Russia yielded a greater prize. Through his new political contacts, he now had access to the Russian scientific community and its plethora of post-Soviet weaponry. To oversee the procurement of weapons of mass destruction from the Soviets, Asahara appointed one of his trusted lieutenants, Kiyohide Hayakawa, to stay in Russia. My gosh. His task was to gather as much information as I don't as know which names are worse, to be honest. The Japanese ones or whenever or we do Russian, Russian ones. ones. That's a pretty close because God dang, man. I'm telling you. And I can speak Japanese, but I have a hard time pronouncing their names half the well, time. Well, and I only am able to pronounce them to some extent because, you know, a lot of the Asian cultures had the same pronounce. You know what I mean? Some of the same accents. And everything. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's the word I was looking the, for. The, the, the same rules kind of apply. Yeah. Kind of like the same lat- rules apply to Latin languages. Yeah. Uh, it, like, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Italian and, exactly, uh, and the French and, yeah. and Spanish and things like that. And then the only thing that applies to the Germanic languages is a lot of aggression and phlegm. Yeah. Because really you can say, um, oh, isn't it ich lieber Dicht or something like that? that I love you in German? Uh, no, it's Lieber Dich. Lieber Dich. That's it. And it sounds like I, I want to hurt you. Yeah. It's, 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 that, 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 that's aggressive. You know, if somebody came out, even in this top tone, oh, Frau, Lieber Dich. You, know, I, you back the fuck up. Number one, I'm not a woman. God, I used the word Frau. <laughs> I noticed that. But number two, that sounds really aggressive. I don't, sir, I don't know what you want to do to my dick, but no. Leave her it alone. <laughs> yeah, you better leave her it alone. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying. Just saying, I will not see your ass do that. <laughs> Get that one? Yeah, you like that one? A Nazi yeah. joke on there? Yeah. I like that one. Now, um, now this, this Hayakawa's task was to gather as much information as he could about chemical weapons and other devices, including nuclear warheads. Hayakawa, an engineer by profession, made many contacts with leading scientists, physicists, and engineers who possessed the knowledge that Alm sought, as well as more official contacts he, as well as the more official contacts he made. He was also instrumental in setting up, quote, a line of supply with several black market operations that dealt in military hardware. Well, I got me black market, man. What about the, they're all white over there, white market. Maybe some brown because they're all Japanese and shit. Technically, not to be racist, Asians are considered yellow. I know they're considered yellow, but seriously, I've never seen one that looks yellow unless it has jaundice. I know, right? I just called an Asian an it. That's awesome. It's because of their olive complexion. I know. You did just call it an it. <laughs> does that include all of us? It does. <laughs> it does. I did not see that coming. Did not. Did, you did not see that one coming. Huh? Uh, yep. I did not see that going, that, that, that coming. So the time has come, Asahara told his assembled group, seated bef- who were seated before him in the inner chamber were Morai Hayakawa, Endo, and Suchia the key people in his plan to militarize Om. The purpose of the meeting was to focus their efforts to achieve their primary objective, the beginning of Armageddon. The secret plan was hatched to arm themselves from the impending battle. Many alternatives were discussed regarding weapons. Biological weapons were high on the agenda. So, too, were nuclear devices, particle beams, and lasers. I'm sorry. I'm, well, I, did you just say particle beams? I did say a particle beam. Like Star Trek? Yeah. Like, beam me up, Scotty? You yeah. Know? Like, par- for yeah. real? 
Well, I'm assuming that it has to do with chemistry and, you know what I mean, uh, physics or phys is it physics? Um, you know, where they could uh, destroy atoms and shit like that. It's freaking, it's, it's Japanese freaking Star Trek. Oh, you are setting your faces to stun. <laughs> You're so stupid. Beam me down, uh, Scotty, a uh, Hiroshima. <laughs> I am but a doctor. <laughs> I am I am not a a, a engineer. I am a doctor. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> uh, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly illogical. Anyways. It's a highly illogical. <laughs> I can't stand Star Trek. Now, now we'll go and we're talking to the Russians and drink the sake and drink the vodka. Vodka and sake. Ooh, I wonder if vodka and sake together would be good. I think that'd be disgusting as fuck. I think it would be too, because sake's kind of a dry taste, anyways. I'm, I'm so kind of curious about the 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 tangerine peels infused with alcohol. I know, me too, a little bit. I was I, I was reintroduced to that listening to the the one of the episodes. I was like, oh, I forgot to try that shit. Yeah. So conventional weapons were also discussed. Asahara's decision ended all speculation. He approved plans to obtain or produce all of them. Mirai was given the task of overseeing production of chemical weapons in developing nuclear, laser, and microwave technology. I have a microwave. Anyways. I hid it materially in it last night. I bet you did. <laughs> now, Suchia was given control of a new facility, which was to produce a nerve gas that he had previously suggested to Asahara, a Nazi invention called Sarin. And Hayakawa, as well as being responsible for building the new plants and infrastructure, was given the job of procuring the more conventional weapons, firearms, explosive tanks, and aircraft. All ARM members were to receive military training. Former soldiers who had joined the sect earlier were appointed as instructors. A special commando unit specializing in security and intelligence was selected from the best of the recruits. To aid in the expansion and retooling, ARM purchased an ailing ironworks and proceeded to strip the company of millions of dollars worth of machine tools. The machines were intended to be used in Om's biggest project. A new building was constructed near the Mount Fuji compound and it had three stories. One at ground level, two more underground with an area totaling... What? I'm in my mic, dude. A little closer because you faded I'm, out. I'm like right in my microphone. Well, then change your tone. I don't know. I'm going to change something, all right. Hopefully you're under where you nasty ass. Shut up, you bitch. You smell like failure I and smegma. <laughs> smegma? What the fuck is smegma? <laughs> That's What the fuck is smegma, Scott? Vaginal discharge. That's disgusting. I don't have that. Ask your uh, ask your customers over on Sandy Boulevard. I fucking hate you. <laughs> you know, I hadn't heard a Sandy Boulevard joke in days. Who says I'm joking? <laughs> your hand was fucked up. You've been off work. Now, you know, this week, I, I'm, I'm thinking by Monday, you'll be back on Sandy Boulevard and going, do you have coupons? I take coupons. Why do you make me sound like Herbert the Pervert? Because there's a quarter in your pocket, and you want the you want some uh, sleazy ass hobo to fish it out for you. Man, disgusting. Now, anyways, it had three stories: one at ground level, two more underground, with an area totaling forty-seven thousand square feet. It was called Clear Stream Temple. 
and was fitted out as a manufacturing facility for conventional weapons. The factory known by cult members as the Supreme Science Institute became operational in early 1993. The main factory manufactured parts for the Russian-designed AK-74, the upgraded design of the AK-47, which had become the weapon of choice for many guerrilla armies and international terrorist Are organizations. Are they related to you, guerrillas? You're the silverback gorilla, Scott. Sir, I'm going to need you to calm you down. You know what? Trust me. I've had to remove that hair once already. <laughs> I know what it's like. Ugh. Now, Asahara wa- wanted enough rifles and ammunition produced to arm every member of the cult in excess of a 1,000 individual weapons by 1995. At the same time, armed scientists were equipping their labs with sufficient equipment and raw materials to produce large quantities of deadly nerve gas and various biological toxins. As ARM continued to expand, a, com- a complicated structure of companies was set up to funnel some of the funds into legitimate enterprises to further strengthen their burgeoning empire. Through one company, Maha- oh my gosh, Mahaposia? M-A-H-A-P-O-S-Y-A. That has to be a fucking venereal disease. Like, seriously. You know what? I, I'm seriously thinking it is. That really does sound like a freaking full-on, hardcore venereal disease. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Did you sleep with uh, you know somebody from Sandy Boulevard like <laughs> Tammy? You got Mahaposia. Mahaposia. So now you're going to have to take these antibiotics for 10 to 15 days. 10 to 15. That's a... That's a strong dose of antibiotics, I'm telling you. Well, the Mahaposia, you Usually know, that's pretty... Usually it's a seven, three to seven days. Well, it's, 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 it's you pretty... You should know. I, it's I had pretty to pick up your duty. prescription the other day, remember? <laughs> I don't have any STDs. I tested clean. Still. Ha, still clean. <laughs> oh, you're horrible. Anyways, the... Alm expanded with that company. Alm expanded into nearly every business necessary to sustain daily life. They were farming to manufacturing, retailing to brokerage, and the company that company did it all. To t- cater to Japan's growing need for technology and information, the company opened a chain of budget computer stores across the country. I wonder if that was where our Radio Shacks came from. <laughs> oh, we are giving you a Radio Shack, right? Selling mainly American-made computer hardware, the store rapidly expanded with over 300 stores operating by the end of 1993. Financially, Alm could do no wrong. As real estate prices plummeted, Alm purchased tracts of land, houses, and commercial and industrial tracts of land, houses, and commercial and industrial sites. Their recruiting continued unabated, with Asahara spending $120,000 on a single campaign. One estimate put Alm's wealth in excess of $150 million, not including the $23 million earned annually by Mahaposia and the $10 million in yearly donations from members of the sect. By the end of 1995, Alm's financial officials would be boasting a net, a, of net assets totally in excess of a billion dollars. As well as providing a method of increasing revenues, Alm Company, Alm's company served the dual purpose of becoming a conduit for the message of Alm. Every business succeeded in reaching an incredible range of potential recruits from small children in company-run child-minding centers to the aged. Students were the prime target as they had been proven as a ready source of bright, committed devotees. And plus, they're great when you launch them in a catapult. How would you know? 
hypothetically speaking. You heard it from a friend? Uh-huh. Did I ever tell you how many kids it Who takes? Who heard it from a friend? Did I ever tell you how many children it takes to paint a building? No, Scott. Tell me. Depends on how hard you throw them. Oh, my God. You're so hard. <laughs> You're so horrible. Just, I really don't like children. <laughs> I know you don't. Not all of them. I just, I don't like most children. There's some kids that are like, ah, you're pretty badass. But most of them are sitting there, you're a little fucking curtain climbing crotch goblin. That's exactly what my daughter called her kids yesterday. <laughs> I said, the heathen. She goes, crotch goblins, get it right. <laughs> hey, she knows. Hey, give yes. her my number. No. I don't trust you. <laughs> no, even though Asahar. She can trust me, little girl. No, she cannot. <laughs> run, run for your life. Now, even though Asahar preached of a life of simple living and devotion to religious pursuits, it didn't prevent him from procuring and enjoying the finer things of life. He lived a decadent lifestyle surrounded by such luxuries as a fleet of cars, including several Mercedes, a Rolls Royce, and two luxury yachts, while sect members worked long hours rewarded with only meager meals and a cramped and often dirty living environment. See, that's what you need to do to y'all. I need to get you guys into a cramped environment and give you just, like, meager meals of, like, some steamed vegetables. I'll wear a robe so y'all can worship me. And then, you know. uh, Oh, you're going to give us actually steamed vegetables and not just asparagus and tomato water? Well, now that you mention that's probably even better. Thanks. (laughs) Well, you know, I figured I'd throw a little Linda Hazard at you. Thanks for taking one for the team. That's great. That hurt. What the fuck are you doing? Well, over there? I leaned my wrist against the desk to move my mouse. Oh no, that happened to me because I was doing too much of this one time, and then I got the carpal tunnel. Is that how you got the carpal tunnel? Uh, and the polar bear. <laughs> You're so stupid. The polar bear. So while the cult was in expansion mode, research was continuing unabated in Alm's biolab. Scientist Endo was convinced that he had finally perfected his strain of the botulism virus. Asahara was growing impatient. He wanted to launch an attack against the country's leadership and suggested that the pending marriage of Japan's Prince Naruhito as a perfect opportunity. Originally, he had wanted to attack the Imperial Palace with a laser weapon, thus wiping out many of Japan's leaders at the same time. But they couldn't get the phasers from Star Trek. No, I, I, I They couldn't pain. set their phasers to stun. Oh, we only have a stun. We don't have a phase of kill. You're so dumb. I don't even know what to say to you half the time. Now, he and Mirai informed his master that even though such a weapon was possible, they would not be able to build it, build and perfect it in time for the royal event. Asahara was disappointed. He wanted nothing less than an elaborate coup that would allow Om to attack and take control of the Imperial Palace, the Prime Minister's residence, and the Parliament all at the same time. However, after careful consideration and discussion, Asahara had to admit that the cult was not quite ready to launch such an audacious plan. Instead, he directed he he directed his men to organize the spraying of botulinus the of botulinus toxin throughout central Tokyo. The plans were made, and shortly after, another vehicle was equipped and set out to complete the task, with Asahara to direct the attack personally. As the citizens of Tokyo prepared for the wedding, Asahara and his team began to spread what they hoped would be an epidemic through the city streets. The plan failed. The wedding came and went with no, not one report of a single casualty from the attack. Obviously, endo reason, botulism wasn't the answer, but he had another weapon in his arsenal that he was sure would be. In late 1993, 1993, he unveiled his plan to unleash another dangerous substance over Tokyo. On the east side of the city, Alm owned an eight-story building that had been con- 
been converted to house a new laboratory that produced bacillus anthrax. I didn't even want to try to pronounce that Latin word. The British had developed anthrax as a potential biological weapon during World War II. It was tested on the sheep of Grenard Island off the coast of Scotland. As a biological weapon, anthrax is designed to be inhaled. A few days after the victim ha- has inhaled a sufficient quantity of anthrax spores, symptoms would normally begin to show. Initially, the victim would show cold or flu-like symptoms, followed by high fever and vomiting. Eventually, the body would break out in huge, painful blisters, which would turn the skin black and hard. Finally, the brain would expand and bleed, and the body would turn blue from lack of oxygen as the victim lapsed into a coma and died a slow, painful death. Once the disease was established, it was almost always fatal. As the Russian biowarfare experts learned in 1979, when an accident released anthrax into the city of... uh, I can't even pronounce it. S-V-E-R-D-L-O-V-S-K. How do you pronounce that, Scott? I don't know. S-V-E-R-D-L-O-V-S-K. I don't have to look at it. Okay, just keep going. More than 60 people were killed during that. Producing anthrax as a weapon is a non-trivial undertaking. As Endo learned the hard way, first the anthrax must be cultured, then made into a powder or liquid without killing the anthrax bacteria, and finally distributed in a powder or aerosol that will reach the nasal passages of the attended victims in the required dosage. Now... Richard Manchi, in a letter to new, sci- to new scientists dated September 29, 2001, wrote, The sex choice of anthrax as an agent of biological warfare was a logical one because anthrax produces resistant spores which remain alive for many years. The British can testify to that truth for their anthrax test on the island rendered the island uninhabitable for more than 40 years. They literally had to strip off all the vegetation on the island and treat the soil with formaldehyde and other chemicals to destroy the spores that still lived in the soil decades later. Now, Japanese officials say that a cult member who, w- who was a graduated graduate student in biology had obtained the sample of anthrax through it another member with medical credentials. Then Endo cultured the bacteria in large drums he had a choice of producing the anthrax in either liquid form to spray at intended victims or in powder form, which could, be inha- could also be inhaled. For some reason, he chose the liquid, which is less likely to establish itself in the victim's lungs. On the roof of the building, an industrial sprayer had been set up to extract the spores from a sealed laboratory one floor below and, with the aid of a powerful fan, spread the bacteria over the neighborhood. Dressed in biohazard suit, Asahara watched as the bacteria was released. The device ran continuously for at least 24 hours and possibly as long as several days. Um... Soon, local residents complained to the authorities about a disgusting smell that covered the area. Some reports claimed that plants wilted, pets became ill, and people reported mysterious stomach ailments. No one died or even showed any signs of anthrax, but many reported the matter to the police, who eventually identified the Alm building as the source. Again, the police were reluctant to take any action. They accepted Asahara's explanation of the smell being the combination of perfume and soybean oil that had been burned to purify the building. Japan's religious protection laws may have stopped the police from searching the Om building, but the police did not. But the police did take samples of fluid that was emanating from a pipe outside. Uh, 
Why didn't this continuous spray of anthrax create a huge calamity, you ask? According to new scientists, the fluid taken by police still contains lots of healthy anthrax bacilli, but the sample endo used was a veterinary vaccine strain of the bacteria and lacked the ability to cause disease. <laughs> this guy can't win, can he? I'm glad. I'm glad that he can I know. It's like, a t- it's like watching the Three Stooges mm-hmm. going at it. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. While it appeared to many that despite the abundant money and talent that the alms sect possessed, Endo and colleagues were technically incompetent. This example is often cited by experts to demonstrate how difficult it is to create biological weapons. However, the truth is is that Endo had solved the main problems of anthrax delivery by keeping the bacteria alive during the processing. Kimothy Smith of Northern Arizona University, a member of the team that analyzed the bacteria Om used, says of the cult, quote, I have no doubt people would have been sick and probably died if they had used a virulent strain. Undaunted, Asahara ordered Endo to increase his efforts to find a suitable virus. A team was sent to Africa to investigate the possibility of culturing the Ebola virus. It's not certain if the team came back with any samples of Ebola or not. Teams were also sent to America to scour the nation's libraries for more information on chemical and biological weapons. Endo was sent to Russia to learn more about biological warfare and gain access to the world's largest stockpile of chemical and biological weapons there. Hayakawa also returned to Russia with a priority shopping list. He attempted to purchase an ex-Army helicopter, a MiG-29 fighter aircraft, and an SL-13 proton rocket launcher. Of these, he would be successful in obtaining only the helicopter. One particular entry that police would later find in his diary indicated just how far Om was prepared to go in its pursuit of Armageddon. In Hayakawa's own handwriting, it read, Nuclear warhead, how much? With a question mark. Did he find it on Craigslist or something? You know what? I'm wondering. Or maybe it was Facebook Marketplace. MySpace. Maybe it was MySpace. (laughs) Hey, I'm answering the ad for your... uh Photon torpedo from Proton. Star Trek, whatever it is. Um, I, I see you want a thousand dollars for it. Will you go a little lower? Can I do like maybe nine hundred? Mm, yeah, nine nine hundred forty nine. <laughs> <laughs> now, a nondescript building within the Alm Complex at Mount Fuji housed one of the most sophisticated chemicals manufacturing facilities in the world. The building, known as Satyan Seven, spelled S A T I A N Seven had cost $10 million. The name Satayan was derived from the ancient Sanskrit word for truth. All buildings within the compound were given the designation followed by it. This designation followed by a number. This particular building had only one purpose, to produce one of the most deadly nerve toxins in the world, sarin gas. The computer-controlled laboratory was capable of producing 17.6 pints of liquid sarin at a time, or two tons a day. Now, Asahara had ordered the production of a mass of 70 tons, enough to kill every living thing on the planet. German chemists discovered sarin back in 1936 while experimenting with organophosphorus. I don't know. Compounds used in insecticides. Nazi leaders became aware of the new compound and quickly ordered it to be adapted for military purposes. However, sarin wasn't used in warfare because it wasn't perfected until after the end of the war. Endo selected sarin or isopropyl 
whatever the fuck that is called. <laughs> I can't even fucking pronounce it. Methyl phosphonofluoridate. I don't know. That's close enough. Yeah, because of its ease of production and the availability of its ingredients. It was also one of the most lethal chemical compounds ever devised. A single drop on the skin was sufficient to kill an adult. Like anthrax, sarin caused a violent death. Now, didn't they use sarin gas in Vietnam? Yep. That's what I thought. And mustard gas. That's true, too. Now, within minutes of being exposed to it in either liquid or gas form, the victim's nose begins to run, accompanied by the tightening of the chest. Violent spasms, vomiting, and loss of bladder and bowel control follow, with death preceded by convulsions and a coma. That's a bad date night right there. I know. I think I'll stick to chloroform. <laughs> God, you're so stupid. Just saying. Just say it. Just Does it smell like chloroform to you, Scott? That's, that's my poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. Does this rag smell like chloroform to you? Remind me never to read any poetry you send me. <laughs> it would have to be do something with Sasquatches. Now i got to write you a Sasquatch poem. Yay. Woo. Now, Masami... Suchia, a gifted chemist, finally succeeded in producing liquid sarin in October 1993. He, like Endo, had endured many months of abuse from Asahara for wasting time and money with little result. The end result had come at great cost, not only financially, but also physically. Many accidents had marred the process, injuring several workers permanently. Of all the formulas and methods that had been tried, only one proved to be successful, the one that Endo had gleaned from the Russians. A Sahara was ecstatic. He finally had his doomsday weapon. Now all he needed was a place to test it. Now, during April of 1993, Hayakawa was attempting to procure a supply of uranium for a future nuclear project. Unable to buy it in Japan, he, had, he and an assistant had traveled to Australia which had one of the largest uranium deposits in the world. To assist him in his research, he hired a mining consultant and a realtor. By May of 1993, he had set up two companies in Australia to aid in the purchase. The realtors took them to Outback Properties where they tested the soil with electronic devices. I thought you were going to say Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I thought you, I really, uh, they took him to Outback. Oh, Steakhouse? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, Properties. Gotcha. Never mind. <laughs> You're so stupid. Now, why didn't they just go to the Libyans? Like, <laughs> uh, that's true, man. The '80s and '90s was all about the Libyans and like Doctor 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 Brown from Back to Back the Future. Back to the Future, right? Yes, you know he got his uranium from the Libyans. Now, um, let's see here. Where was I? Uh, one property seemed perfect for their needs. Bond. Bonjawarn Station in Western Australia. At a cost of $400,000, it was a bargain. A further $110,000 was spent to obtain the mining rights for the land. The new property seemed like the perfect place to try out their new arsenal, and Asahara and his entourage traveled to the site to oversee the tests. Their arrival met with difficulties when they attempted to bring dangerous chemicals through customs illegally. The authorities had already criticized the sect for the poor maintenance of the property since the purchase had and insisted on the appointment of an Australian farm manager. Neville Brosnan, an experienced sheep station manager, was hired to run the property. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> I think my son could be a sheep station manager. <laughs> He's got the peanut butter trick with the dog down, I think. <laughs> with his Velcro gloves and rubber boots. With Velcro gloves and rubber boots, man. 
Now, he was hired to run the property. He soon found the presence of the sect disturbing, especially after finding a cache of dangerous chemicals in a shed on the property and being told to mind his own business. Mind your own damn business. Mate. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> You're so stupid. It's not known how the sarin was transported to Australia, but it wasn't made there, as it would have been virtually impossible to produce a compound with the basic facilities that were at the station. Regardless of how the sarin came to be there, the cult- cultists had it and wasted no time in testing it on a group of tethered sheep. Oh, poor babies. Within minutes of breathing in the toxic fumes, 29 sheep were convulsing on the ground and died soon late, soon, soon after that. That happened to me when I was in the bathroom after eating that burrito on Monday. What burrito on Monday? Oh. My normal Monday burrito. Your Monday burrito? Yeah, I was in the bathroom. Your fire fet, your butt-burning burritos? Oh, it was great, man. I dropped the bomb right there. Four people fell over there convulsing, vomiting, and two died. You're so stupid. Call me Osama bin Scotty. (laughs) No. Asahara was overjoyed with the results. The sarin had finally worked. Now he was anxious to try it on a human target and already had someone in mind. Now, Daisaku Akita was the leader of Soko Gakai, one of Japan's most popular new religions. Now, Asahara considered him a rival and took every opportunity to criticize him in public. Uh, Where was... Oh, he selected Akita as his target and directed his men to rig a spraying device on a suitable vehicle. They selected an evening when Ikeda would be speaking at a public rally. The vehicle was parked next to the building while the meeting was in progress and the sprayers activated. The device failed to work, so the attack was aborted. Another meeting venue was selected and they tried again. All was going well until the device sprung a leak, splashing liquid sarin onto Tomomitsu Nimi, Asahara's security chief. Fortunately for Nimi, Hayakawa was present and quickly administered an antidote in time to prevent his nervous system from shutting down. The first human test had failed in its objective, but ironically, the sarin had proved its effectiveness nonetheless. A new target had to be found. Several months prior to the testing, Alm had attempted to purchase a food processing plant in the town of Matsumoto, 100 miles northwest of Tokyo. The owner learning that the purchase was to be an alm outpost, quickly filed a lawsuit to invalidate the sale. Now, alm's legal team contested the suit and a drawn-out court case ensued, accompanied by the usual public smear campaign that alm mounted against the owner and the residents of Matsumoto. The trial ended and the three judges presiding over the case retired to consider their verdict. His lawyers advised Asahara that there was a good chance that alm would lose the case. He was livid and again called the emergency meeting with his war staff. He ordered that the judges were to be killed with sarin. The team quickly sprang into action and Hideo Murai ordered his men to construct a suitable vehicle. A large truck was fitted with a sophisticated battery-powered atomizer and loaded with 44 pounds of sarin. Oh, I thought it was a food truck. Why? Because I've seen a lot of Japanese food trucks running around here lately. It's bizarre because I saw a couple of people that were Asian and they were selling Mexican food. I don't, I can't trust that. I don't trust that. Pretty sure it's sarin gas in there. You know, there are a lot of Mexican people that work in sushi restaurants. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's getting weird, man. Like, I want my sushi by Japanese people. I want my Mexican food by Mexicans. I know, right? Not asking much, folks. I'm not asking much. <laughs> Just stick to what you know. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> you're so dumb. Hit, and hit it, you're yeah, How about you fuck yourself? How about that? Yeah? <laughs> Another team was sent out to scout the area around the court building where the judges worked, and a second vehicle was hired to act as a lookout. On the morning of June 27, 1994, the two vehicles left the compound late. Hideo Mura had delayed the planned departure time by oversleeping. Once on the road, it was discovered that because of the excess weight of the truck, the convoy was only capable of traveling at half the planned speed. Together with the late start and the restricted speed, the trucks arrived in Matsumoto to discover that the judges had finished work and gone home already. Mirai was determined that the attack would proceed regardless of the setbacks and directed the vehicles to a dormitory where the judges lived. The area was scouted and a site selected. The fact that the dormitory was located in a heavily populated residential residential area didn't make any difference to Mariah and his death squad. At 10.40 p.m., the members of the team were given sarin antidote and donned homemade gas masks. Shortly after, the atomizer was activated and the trucks drove slowly through the target area. However, the mixing device malfunctioned soon after that and a deadly cloud of hydrogen chloride was released. The cloud of the vapor was so dense that the occupants of the vehicle could not see where they were going. While the attackers were Attempting to extricate themselves from their problems, the wind changed direction, blowing the gas away from its intended target and across the adjoining houses. Shortly after, dogs were dying a convulsive death and their owners were struck down with blinding headaches and violent stomach spasms. Seven innocent people died that night, with 150 more admitted to the hospital. The judges, even though they were exposed to some of the gas, survived with only mild symptoms. The wind shift had saved them from certain death. Even though the attack was technically a failure, Asahara was pleased with the result. The incident sparked a broad policy police inquiry, but incredibly, Alm was not implicated this time. Even after an anonymous tip implicating them was given to police after the gassing. Instead, police arrested one of the survivors, Yosu... Yoshiyuko Kono after they found chemicals in a storage shed on his property. The message sent to police was very explicit. One section read, Matsumoto was definitely an experiment of sorts. The result of this experiment is an open space, seven dead, over 200 injured. If sarin is released in an enclosed space, say a crowded subway, it is easy to imagine a massive catastrophe. Obviously, someone within the sect and close to Asahara had sent the message to warn the police that an even greater disaster that was coming. Asahara's megalomania was at an all-time high. He had succeeded in surrounding himself with an army of loyal followers who were prepared to follow him to the death. Scientists, physicians, soldiers, and even members of the Yakuza had sworn their allegiance to the master. Now, opposition to the sect was steadily mounting. Numerous complaints about Om were filed with the authorities every week regarding noxious fumes emanating from the compound, damaged crops, mysterious illnesses, and ever-present strange noises. They need better sewage control. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Been there. I've eaten eaten bad sushi. Ew. Gas station sushi? No, not that dumb. But I ate something that didn't agree with my stomach, and I gave two kids freckles. Ew. Poor kids. (laughs) <laughs> Disgusting. Several police raids were mounted at various Om sites across the country, but Om managed to keep the police at bay. Within the sect, many followers were becoming increasingly disillusioned. 
One, a 60-year-old woman had devoted her life and over $600,000 of her savings to Om. Faced with what she saw as alarming behavior within the sex, she left and promptly went into hiding. He ordered her to be found and returned, and one of his men attempted to locate her but failed. Yosuhiro Inoue, Asahara's brutal and deadly intelligence chief, was given the task of bringing the woman back. He and his squad tried a different tactic. They abducted Kiyoshi Kariya, the woman's 68-year-old brother, as he was walking home. Threatening phone calls had been made to the man's house earlier demanding to know where his sister was, but the man had refused to talk. That he feared for his life was evident in the note he left for his family. If I disappear, I was abducted by the by Om Supreme Truth. Okay, look, y'all, if I disappear, I was abducted by a hairy-ass Sasquatch who sits across from me doing this goddamn podcast. No, you were abducted by somebody else. I shall not name names. Oh, God, my stalker? Yes. No, I, forgot, <laughs> I totally forgot about her. That scares the shit out of me. <laughs> now, he was... Kai, Kariya was beaten and drugged and taken to the Mount Fuji compound. Along with physicians Nakagawa and Hayashi, he... Inyo tortured the man for hours. More drugs were administered, but the man refused to divulge the whereabouts of his sister. Eventually, he drifted into a drug-induced coma and died. His body was placed in a large industrial microwave oven and cooked for two days, then soaked in a bath of nitric acid. Ew, cooking that thing for two days? God dang, man. It's like, a crispy. I, I get fucked up if I overcook anything in the microwave by a minute. I know. Just two goddamn days. Did you all read the instructions before you Doesn't it, it dry out when you do that here's in my, a microwave? Here's my question. I want to know if they read the instructions on how to cook an Asian. <laughs> That's what I want to know. I almost spit out my energy drink. You're so disgusting. I'm just asking. There should have been instructions on that. I not to take years. drinks when you're talking. I know the guy's 60 some odd years old, but there had to be instructions somewhere like place in microwave. 30 seconds. For 30 seconds and cover with a towel. You know, something. And I'm, I'm pretty goddamn sure it didn't say cook that motherfucker for three days or two days or whatever it was. Yeah. And then dip him in a bath of nitric acid. Yeah. I mean, damn. Read the instructions. I think that's the, that's the, everything has microwave instructions. Just read the instructions first. Yeah. So what little remained of his remains were dumped in a nearby lake. After the abduction, the police went into action, making final preparations for what would be the biggest police raid in Japan's history. Obvious, oblivious Asahara spoke of staging a major coup. He wanted a full-blown invasion of government facilities, complete with air bombardment. The plan that he finally settled for was much simpler, but just as lethal. The target was to be the Tokyo subway, the weapon Saren. As a final prelude, Asahara gathered over a hundred of his followers before him and urged them to sacrifice themselves and fight as one. Predicting that he would be captured, he assured them that he would return. It was his last personal address. Tokyo's subway system carries 2.7 billion passengers per year. In one day, the system, the system transports 5 million people with very few delays. The main target was Kasumagasiki Station, and the attack was coordinated to start on Monday, March 20th, 1995 at 8 a.m. in the middle of the morning rush hour. Hideo Morai was in charge. Anxious to avoid any equipment failures, he devised a foolproof method. Selected members were to carry bags of sarin onto the trains, puncture them, and leave the deadly substance to leak into the subway. The men selected for their tasks, Kenichi Hiros. Yasuo Hayashi, Masato 
Yokoyama, to- Toru Toyota. I had a Toyota. And only I spelled T O Y O D A. I even had a Toyota T one hundred. I never had that kind of Toyota though. You didn't have that kind of. You didn't have a Toro to- Toyota. Never Toro. No Toro. I wonder what the warranty is on that thing. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious. Asking for a friend. Does it have legroom? Yeah. Well, apparently it does now if they're messing with siren. Yeah. Siren gas. Yeah. And Doctor E. Kuo Hayashi waited while all scientists prepared their deadly packages. Sheets of toxic-resistant polyethylene? Yeah, polyethylene. Yeah, were fashioned... It was a typo. That's why I was questioning myself. Were fashioned into small bags and filled with sarin. These bags were, in turn, contained within larger bags... Five umbrellas with specially sharpened tips were given to each of the men. After several practice sessions, the men were ready to go. With knapsacks full of sarin packs and a supply of sarin antidote pills, the hit squad left the compound several hours before dawn. With several sandwiches and some chips. Why? You have to have that in your backpack. In a knapsack. Yeah. In their little hobo knapsack. Exactly, man. (laughs) I wonder if they went backpack, backpack, or knapsack, knapsack. (laughs) On the way to their destinations, the five men wrapped their packs in newspaper and tape. Each of them, the men, were dropped off at a different station to board separate trains that would all converge at the one station. Hayashi was dropped off at Uno Station station at 7 a.m. and boarded his train. The next to board was Toyota. He calmly entered another station, bought a ticket, and took his seat. And gave the draw four card. Because the (laughs) one went to the Uno Station. (laughs) (laughs) You're so stupid Now he rose Was not as cool as Toyota He was sweating As he took his seat Placing the package He's generic He's not a Toyota (laughs) Right He was sweating As he took his seat Placing the package Gingerly on the floor Between his feet Yokoyama Was in place On his train uh, On the Maranochi line And Dr. Hayashi Took the Chiyoda line As the five trains Approached the The intended station the five men punctured their packages with the umbrellas and got off on the next stop each of the packages leaked under the floor of their compartments and the serum fumes began spreading almost immediately and soon many passengers were coughing and feeling nauseous as the trains reached their next stop several passengers collapsed on the platform others ran for the station exits soon the area surrounding the station was littered with dead and dying commuters Alerted by railway staff, ambulances and other emergency vehicles rushed to the site. Police, army, and emergency personnel speculated on the cause, unsure if it was a gas leak, bomb, or terrorist activity. Within a few short hours, 12 commuters were dead. 5,500 were injured to varying degrees. Some would be permanently affected from hideous injuries. One woman had her contact lenses welded to her eyeballs by the nerve gas. And had to have both her eyes surgically removed. The method of the attack was unknown until military specialists entered the subway in the early afternoon and established that the compound used had been sarin nerve gas. Meanwhile, the five tourists made their escape. They reached the compound several hours later and Asahara congratulated them, gave them money and then told them to go and hide. Were they Um, playing hide and seek? Are we wrapping it up there? Yeah, let's wrap it up there. 
Okay, because I'm already tired. All right, remember, you send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join citizens of Brutal Nation and interact with us. Don't be shy, motherfuckers. Jesus Christ, shy as fucking goddamn people. Especially the Japanese. You're so dumb. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast except for Metal Cross Radio, they're lying. Thieving bastards. And we will talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.